Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Todd Palmer. Thanks for being on the show again, Todd. Whitney, thanks so much for having me back on. Yeah, honored to have you back. Todd Charity he received a great response from being on the show before, and I appreciate the listeners being involved and reaching out to guests. If you didn't hear him before, that was show WS284. And believe it or not, it came out August 1st of 2019. It's hard to believe it's been that long ago. But I encourage you to go back and learn a little more about Todd by listening to that show and looking him up. But Todd is an executive coach. He's a keynote speaker, renowned thought leader, author, and CEO who is committed to helping business owners tackle their obstacles and clear their path to success. Todd is also the author of the number one international Amazon bestseller, From Suck to Success, a guide for extraordinary entrepreneurship. He specializes in helping leaders join the mission statement of the organization with their personal core values while addressing fears, self-doubts, and imposter syndrome. He's here today to share his story, what he's learned along the way, and his proven framework to helping business owners achieve success. So Todd, welcome again to the show. I know we're going to cover a few specific things today because you got many, many things that could help our listeners and myself. But any updates just about, you know, anything you're seeing in your line of work, things that entrepreneurs are really struggling with, maybe just in the current market or anything like that before we dive in? Sure. Well, I want again, thanks so much for having me back on the program. It's, it's always good to see you. And, you know, to kind of go with the question that you're asking, the most successful entrepreneurs I've seen in the last 12 to 15 months we were recording this in April of 2021, are those entrepreneurs who have been able to embrace the suck of COVID, who've been able to, to recognize and realize that if they, they're savvy and they're willing to pivot, a lot of people, believe it or not, have been able to, to pivot into COVID and their businesses have actually grown exponentially. For example, you're talking about my coaching practice. My coaching practice in the last 12 months has grown 300%. And I got my book done. And I spent more days at home. Now, if you ask my family, that last one can be pros or cons, depending upon the topic, depending upon the homework situation. But it's really been interesting because I lost six stages in three countries within two weeks. My main business model of a client acquisition was to go and speak from stage, to show up in, in rooms and talk to entrepreneurs and, and leaders within organizations to help them get unstuck around their itty-bitty shitty committee and their, their mindset issues and their internal struggles with imposter syndrome as well as execution. Lost all those. I always tell people, the reality is I had my own itty bitty shitty committee party for about 48 hours. because I'm like, what am I going to do? But then I doubled down on my purpose. So what I've seen entrepreneurs who do a really good job is they put their purpose into an active learning cycle, which we talk about in the book, where they're able to get themselves unstuck through some self-coaching if they can't, if they don't have a coach or they, they can't afford a coach. And those are the entrepreneurs who've done well. But like I said, my business has grown 300% because I started volunteering everywhere I could to help leaders get unstuck. I talked to 42 CEOs in 67 days. I hate to admit this, but it's true. I got zero clients from it. But what they did is I, I got 42 salespeople. And those 42 salespeople then evangelized the work we did in 30-minute sessions. And from that, I've added a dozen clients, literally over that period of time, due to them, the 42 saying great things about the work we've done together. And the work was done for free in a very short, compressed period of time. I just worked with a leader last week, for example, who'd been stuck on a topic for four years. We got her unstuck in less than three hours. 
So if we show up as leaders, as we show up as entrepreneurs, and we see where we can be of service to others, it may not be exactly like I thought from stage, but my purpose of improving lives, I was able to do that from screen and be there for other people. It's those entrepreneurs who recognize that they can do their jobs, they can provide their services in a multitude of different platforms that I've seen pivot out of these situations most successfully. No, that's incredible. We can learn so much from what you just said. Just, yeah, I mean, embracing that, right? I mean, COVID really planted so many entrepreneurs, right? And they just halted, you know, not knowing what to do. But those that have just embraced it and figured out a way, like yourself, I mean, 300X, that's, that's incredible. Congratulations, by the way. Oh, thank you very much. It's been joyful. To do purposeful work for me, it's so rewarding. I worked 12 hours yesterday and, and it felt like I only worked six. It was really enjoyable right. work helping. You know, I had this leader I was working with brand new client. She goes, yeah. I said, what do you want to get out of our session today? And she goes, well, I'd like to have a couple of epiphanies. We got through the four hours. She's like, oh my gosh, I've unpacked so much. I've had a dozen epiphanies and now I have a plan. I'm, I'm now more excited. Kind of came to the low energy call, low energy. Now I'm excited to, to do the work I need to do to continue to grow my, and her business is doing great. What she wanted to do is create work-life integration to grow herself as a leader. So the business could then ride, continue to ride the wave of her success. So yeah, I've got so many positive stories of people coming out of COVID. And I think it's important to spread that message that it's not just doom and gloom. Yeah. So what are some of the differentiators that have really set you apart or maybe setting apart other entrepreneurs that you're helping to succeed and push through things like that? Well, one thing I mentioned to everybody is there's one common issue with every business, regardless of the niche you serve, regardless of whether you're service-based, manufacturing-based, real estate-based, there's always one issue and it's always people. It's always people. It comes back to people. When I was $600,000 in debt, two months away from running out of all of, our, all of my money and losing my house back in 2006, it was a people issue. The, the people, the person was me. It, we are often the bottlenecks in our businesses as the leaders and as the entrepreneurs and as the CEOs. We're often the bottlenecks in our lives. And often what we think it is, so we say it's a cash issue, for example. Well, as a coach, my job is to drill down and figure out, is it really a cash issue or is it really the people who are spending the cash? Is it really the people who didn't go to the bank meeting? Is it really the people who started giving away discounts as compared to fighting for margin? It's 99 out of 100 times it's a people issue. And that other one time, it's pretty more close to acts of God than anything else. You know, I worked with an entrepreneur in the restaurant space. It's a tough space right now during COVID. He had 4,000 square feet in San Francisco, very expensive real estate. He pivoted and he was shut down by the government. He couldn't, he couldn't serve his customers. You do take out, but I don't think anybody wants a $75 takeout steak. Or very, there's a very small market that wants that. He pivoted. He got out of that lease. He got into an 800-square-foot space. And we're talking. I said, what made you pivot? He's like, well, I want to serve customers with takeout. I'm like, okay, that's, that's all fine and good. But why did you pick this specific area? He's a chef who went into high-end pizza, $40 a pie. Not, and I think it cost like six bucks to make. I mean, the margins were off the charts. And he doubled down on his purpose. He doubled down on his why. His why was I wanted to create a great dating experience for people. And I did that in my restaurant. Now I'm just taking that mindset of creating a date, great dating experience, taking it and putting it into your home through this high-end piece. He goes, I went from a staff of 28 to a staff of four. He goes, I did $3 million in pizza sales last year because people were stuck at home. 
but he had a learner's mindset, a fail forward mindset. He didn't, you know, he, he decided that COVID was happening for him, not to him. So he spun out of that by, by looking within to, to put, double down on his purpose, which got him unstuck. Definitely comes back to people. I know I've learned that a lot, especially over the last couple of years as we've hired and our team has grown and trying to figure out who these people should be. You know, what are their talents? What are their skill sets? What are their personalities? Who are they? Do they fit? Help us think through that a little bit, you know, thinking through who our employees are, who are, you know, so we can grow, right? We can scale. Everybody wants to scale. Everybody says, you know, probably one of their biggest problems, right? Or things that they want to scale. Well, there's so many things behind that, right? And you've, you've talked about numerous of those, but how do we do that? How do we work with those employees? How do we know who they are? And maybe, you know, you've helped numerous people probably with that. What are some keys that you've seen? Sure. So just to kind of create context for what I'm going to share is I ran a recruiting service for 23 years. We got $600,000 in debt and onto the Inc. 5,000 six times by making a pivot around the human capital space. So I have a little bit of experience for the listener. You break it into two sections. You've got the challenge in acquiring people, locating people, recruiting people. So the current marketplace conditions as we sit here in April of 2021 is the unemployment rate is at 6%. The country is considered at full employment when it reaches 4%. Goldman Sachs put out a report two weeks ago where they indicated that by December of 2021 will be at 3.2%. So we will be at full employment by those benchmarks. It gets better, but it gets worse. The second piece of that is millennials have the highest employment sector of any category measured at 11.2%. So that for those people who are maybe in a space where we've got a retiring workforce, either Gen Xs or baby boomers who are leaving, thinking millennials are going to be coming in, that's not going to happen. Millennials work differently. They see the world differently, and a lot of them currently aren't working. Then you throw on the labor participation rate, which is at a 52-year low. So 52 years ago, and I'm 52, so before I was born, there were more people working than there are today per capita. Taking all that into consideration, what you have to do is you have to be unique in how you recruit. And the number one source for your next great employee is your current great employee. So if you're putting money out there, for example, for Indeed ads and Zip recruiter ads, have you considered offering an incentive to your employees to refer their friends that they want to work with? Now, people say, well, you know, if I've got a terrible employee, do I really want her, his or her terrible friends? Well, of course not. But if you have a rock star employee, Rock stars hang out with other rock stars, just like great doctors golf with other great doctors, et cetera, et cetera. Go to those people. Look at how you can attract talent that way. And you do that by being an employer of choice. That's the key. That's the secret formula. Why should someone work for you? They have a lot of choices right now. So when we say, why should someone work for you? What are your core values? And do you live by them? And here's how you know if you live by your core values. Are you willing to hire and fire by them? Have you created a culture of psychological safety? Google's done a lot of work around this. Do your employees feel seen, heard, and known? Psychological safety. That's just getting them in the door. Then the next piece is you've got to make sure you take great care of them once you get them in the door. So we break it into two pieces. You got to be able to recruit them and acquire them, but that's only half the job. Once you get them, then you have to take great care of them. That's awesome. I wanted to back up just a little bit. Core values. It seems so simple, right? Ah, yeah, whatever. You know, that's what I hear. Yeah, I'll get to that or I'll think through that some other time. But it is so important. And I think it's so important that the entire organization knows those core values, right? Could you just highlight a couple of key things that could help the listener right now think through their core values? Or, you know, have they have you really thought about this, you know, as a listener and implemented this or, you know, wrote it down, put it on the wall, you know, where all the employees know it, anybody that's helping you, working with you, do they know what you live by? And so help them create that. Sometimes, you know, you sit down, I hear it often, you know, you sit down, you're trying to think of these core values and it's like you're just blank, right? Well, what should they be? Any guidance around that? Absolutely. So I've got a client in the real estate space down in Texas and she's this female CEO is just on fire because she knows what her core values are. 
She had an issue recently come up with an employee. She had heard through the grapevine was taking a rider, a kickback for bidding out bids for real estate that they were acquiring for the turns and for the new construction, et cetera. So if the, if the bid was for $100,000, he was getting a $10,000 check on the side. That kind of story. I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure your realtors have never heard of that, but should you have heard of it, that's what was going on. She brought him in. They went through the, the core values of the organization, such as we do things the right way, the right time, every time. That's a great core value for her. You know, kind of a make mom a proud model of would you really want your, if you're going to show a new, a new listing or if you're going to have a new build, is it something your parents would be proud of? All these three or four core values. So when she let him go, she was very clear. Not only was he operating illegally, but he was just as importantly operating against the core values of the organization. And another real estate place I'm working with was talking about, you know, the owner originally got into real estate because, well, I want to make a lot of money. Listen, I'm a capitalist. Nothing wrong with making a lot of money. Well, why do you want to make a lot of money? Eventually, this is I'm sitting with his entire leadership team, and he starts. He got very emotional. So he talks about it wearing hand-me-downs and how his shoes didn't fit, and he wore flood pants to school. He says, "I want to make a lot of money so your kids don't suffer the way I suffered." Changed the entire room. People got oh, they're like, "Oh my gosh!" Because they just saw him as kind of this this greedy mogul thought process. He softened, so he had a defensive wall up because he didn't want to be known. He didn't want to be seen. because He thought it made him look weak. He actually, by his vulnerability, stepped up and looked like a great leader. They've pivoted into now one of their biggest core values is we build great homes for great families. We want every kid to have a great life. That's mm-hmm. a core value. And every core value, a couple of things. The core value, you should be hired and fired by. And if you can have a great story or two from your company, from your culture, from your team that tie into that core value, you then take that into your interview process. When you're interviewing people, you tell them these stories. People will identify that that's either them or it's not them. They either want to be part of that tribe or they don't. If they don't want to be part of your tribe, it's better that they never come work for you than you bring them in and they, they opt out because they don't fit. So your core value needs to represent your tribe, right? Yeah, what you live by and sharing them during the interview process. You mentioned, and obviously, I mean, just the interview process alone, I've done numerous shows on personally, and I know we could talk about it for who knows how long. Uh, but but yeah, I wanted to also bring up, you, know, you said like take great care of them as soon as you get them in the door. How do you do that? Any suggestions around, you know what, we've hired this person, they're working for us now, they're doing great, let's assume they're doing great. How do we show them? How do we make them You know, want to be working for us for a long time? Well, I think it starts with the first day they arrive. So a good friend of mine who built this, a multi-billion dollar, not million, B with a billion with a B mortgage company had a process and his name is Jack Daly. He's a great sales trainer now. Jack's long been retired from active CEO participation, but he goes around and teaches this process. First thing is day one, you want to onboard them in a way that will blow their mind. Here's what it looks like. Whitney shows up, it's his first day in my organization, sitting on your desk or sitting in your workspace as a custom-made gift box of all your favorite things. So let's say Whitney's a golfer. There's a sleeve of his great, his favorite golf clubs, maybe a, or not a sleeve of his favorite golf balls, maybe a, a new golf glove. There's also maybe your favorite drink, maybe it's a, your favorite Chardonnay, maybe it's your favorite vodka, and a couple of maybe your favorite snacks. And Jack learns all that in the interview process through conversation, takes copious notes. So that, so you're greeted immediately like, oh, then just give me, and it's great to give just like an edible arrangement or something awesome like that. But if you can personalize it, you make it Whitney specific, you're going to feel seen, heard, known first day of work. You're like, you're thinking my last employer didn't even know my kid's name, let alone what I liked. Jack takes it to a next level. In the interview, he finds out what your family likes. 
say your wife is a really big gardener. He sends her things that tie into her. There's, she has a gift basket arriving at her house. So you're a red wine guy. She's a white wine gal. She has a bottle of white. So by the time you get home, she's greeting you at the door. Look what your boss sent me. You're like, look what he gave me. So when you have to work weekends and nights, your wife is going to support you because you, she's been psychologically galvanized to your career. So the first day is greet them that way. Over-communicate the clarity of the organization. On the first day, take them through your core values again. Talk about the stories. Have other people come in and do that. Invest in training to lower costs and boost profits. Millennials specifically love to be upskilled. Create a situation, again, where the psychological safe work environment exists. Share vulnerability. Establish the purpose of the organization. And cross-train if you can. Have people know that they can do this job, they can do that job, their value. So in case there's a downturn in the economy, they're not going to be unemployed because that's the story they tell themselves. At the end of the day, Whitney, I always tell my leaders that I coach, you really have two jobs. All they are. It's really, really simple, but it's really, really hard. Your job as the CEO is to remove any bottleneck within the organization that prevents the growth of your team or the growth of the organization. So really, you're just removing bottlenecks. The second thing is you want to make it super easy for your employees to work with you and your customers to buy from you. You do those things, everything else is gravy. So that's what I've at least seen you know, a 30,000 foot view companies do to make it easy for, you, for someone to work with them. Many great things there. I've never heard of sending the spouse anything. That's a really good tip right there because you want them to be on board also, right? As a recruiter, the biggest deal killer of someone switching from one job to the next was the spouse. So it's like, we've learned that you've got to take care, take care of them, include them in as many processes as possible. You know, people's names are so important to them, but their kids' names are important to them as well. Their spouse's name is important. Know all those things. Invest in the people because at the end of the day, the people do make the biggest difference. No, that's great. What about, I wanted to hit too on the, you said remove any bottleneck. I mean, like that's one of the most important things, right? Remove any bottleneck that keeps you from growing. What is that? Are there some common things or common bottlenecks where people really get hung up that you could help us with just over the next minute or two? Yeah, so what I would say is any bottleneck you see in the organization, get massively curious about it because what you think it is, it's probably not that it. It's probably not that. We had a situation where we had an employee who was consistently late. My client wanted me to come in and for this is back when I had the recruiting company, manufacturing. The employee was consistently late. Client wants me to come in and let the employee go. The employee was a rock star when he was there, but he was, again, consistently late. So I brought him into the, the conference room and we were having a conversation. I said, Bob, you know, I understand that you're having some attendance issues. Help me better understand, why are you consistently late? He goes, well, my mom just moved into my house. I have to set her up with her nurse before I leave. And when I have to catch three buses to get here. I've been missing the first bus, which cycles me out 20 minutes, which is causing me to be 20 minutes late. And I'm embarrassed to go talk to my boss. I said, hang on a minute, Bob. Let me go talk to the president. Let me share that story, which is what I did. Because the president is like, just make him go away. I'm like, human beings are not a commodity. They're not a change out system. Told the story to the CEO. He's like, you're kidding. I had no idea because he didn't approach it with massive curiosity. He assumed and told himself the story that Bob was irresponsible. Walked in. Offered to give Bob to co-sign on a car for Bob, which he followed through and did. Remember, Bob's my employee yet. He hasn't even transitioned the, the employer's payroll yet. So immediately transitioned him and got a payout and it was everybody wins. Now Bob is the plant manager because that employer saw Bob as a human being. He was able, thankfully, he brought me in so he didn't throw Bob out on the street. And because the employee felt seen, felt hurt, and he created loyalty in a way that, you know, an hour before that conversation had never even considered. Wow. Yeah. Ask questions. Right. Massive curiosity. Todd, tell me, are there any daily habits that you have that have helped you achieve success? Well, let me go back to the COVID situation. 
lost my stages trying to figure out what to do. I'm a big fan of the work of Sean Aker and about gratitude and appreciation. Mm. So rather than sitting around feeling sorry for myself, which I did a little bit of, because I mean, I am a human being after all, I decided to reach out and see how other people were doing. And I went through the entire, I have like 800 contacts in my phone. And I just started reaching out to people I hadn't heard from in a while and who hadn't heard from me in a while. because I have a responsibility and a dynamic like that. And I asked, started asking, how are you doing? Is there anything I can help you with? Not, hey, do you know anybody who needs a coach? Can you help me? No, it wasn't about me. It was about them. And then the brain science research I did on it says, the more we give of ourselves to others and the more we show others we care, actually the better we feel. We actually end firing chemicals in our brain and using a different part of our brain. So I just started doing more of this. So I created a ritual for during the, especially for the, I would say from March to about October of 2020, every day I reached out to five new people and I got engaged in conversation. And people are like, oh my gosh, it was so, they felt so special. They felt so important. So when they felt special and important, I felt like I was doing the right thing and living up to my core value of improving lives. So for me, that ritual of reaching out and, and showing care for other people, as well as exercise when I could, things like that, really kind of you know lifted up my spirits and helped me feel better during a tough time. Wow. No, that's incredible. Is there anything that helps you to stay consistent with things like that? You know, it's just first thing in the morning, first thing in the morning. Warren Rustan, famous speaker, does a lot of work with the entrepreneur community, has a thing called the 10, 10, 10. And it's the first 30 minutes of your day, you do these 10 minutes, these 10 minutes, and these 10 minutes. And one of those is right for him is writing in a gratitude journal. I just decided to take it and use digital and express gratitude to others, meditate, you know, clear your head, all those things. So he, I just find that if I start my day in, a right, in the right spot, the rest of my day goes a whole lot better. Because the reality is when it comes to being motivated, Motivation is a byproduct of action. A lot of people, you know, watch enough movies. Well, you know, I got motivated and then I took action. That's actually psychologically backwards. We take action and then we get motivated. When I would reach out to those five people, it would change my chemistry for the day, change my mindset for the day. And I found I got, I really liked it. And I really liked being of service to others. So for me, start it, do whatever you need to do to get your day off in the right spot from the very beginning. Love that. What you just said, you said motivation is a byproduct of action. That's so true. So true. I just did a Facebook Live this morning talking about you have to change. You have to like put things in place. You know, everything that you're getting right now is a result of what you're doing. And so, you know, if, if it's not what you want, those results aren't what you were wanting, then you need to change something, right? What's the number one thing that's contributed to your success? Oh, gosh. I think part of it is knowing my purpose. A dozen years ago, I was blessed to meet a guy named Simon Sinek. He hadn't even done his famous TED Talk yet about the power of why. And I worked with him for two years to figure out two words, which are improved lives. And if I make every decision in my life to improve lives, my life goes significantly better. Listener may say, well, what if you want, like, so today, this is a perfect example. So in four hours, I'm flying to Florida from Detroit, and I am going to go and sit with a group of entrepreneurs for dinner. Looking forward to it. I built that into my schedule because originally I'm going to Florida to go play baseball. Playing baseball helps me improve my life. And if I've got a lot to give to my family, to my customers, to the world in large, if my, my reserves are high and the demands are just as high, I go a whole lot better. My family understands that. I pre-arrange the conversation. I don't surprise my family. I say, hey, here's my schedule for the next six months. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm doing. I also invited them. Now, who really wants to go watch Senior Citizen Geezer Baseball? Not many people. So they're not going to come this time, but they are going to come with me the next time I do a baseball trip, which will be Memorial Day. We're going to have a Memorial Day weekend. So I'll take four hours out of our trip each day and go play ball and come back and spend time with my family. It's work-life integration. It's not either or, it's and both. Nice. Well, Todd, how do you like to give back? I know you're helping tons of people, but I always like that. Yeah. Here's what I love to do, especially for anybody who's listening. You know, 
one, I'd love to give you a free chapter of my new book from Sock to Success. Go to go to from com. Put in your information. We'll send you a free chapter immediately. Secondarily, I, you know, I really love talking to entrepreneurs. It fills my bucket because I've used a coach in my life since 2006. And I've gotten so much value from two different coaches, both Greg and Danny. I always say when I'm on a program like yours, please reach out to me. I'm happy to give you 30 minutes of my time, no cost to help you get unstuck around what's holding you back. As I mentioned, when last time I did your show, I got the greatest response from any audience. And I talked to entrepreneurs literally from around the world about what their challenges were in the space they were in, what they wanted to accomplish, what they felt they were doing to hold themselves back. And a couple of guys sent me great thank you notes afterwards. Oh my gosh, I, had, I didn't see it from that perspective. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. So, you know, if think about our life, right? If our life is a jar and we're on the inside of the jar, we can't read the label from the outside. That's what I'm happy to help people do is to see it from a different perspective, to get them to achieve what they want to achieve. Because at the end of the day, that's really what I love doing is improving lives. Todd, a pleasure to have you back on the show. Great conversation today, no doubt about it. I mean, whether it's finding that employee and the core values and, and taking care of that employee, I love the tips about even the spouse as well. But even before that, you, you talked about doubling down on purpose. I think we can all learn from that and showing up as leaders. But so grateful again. Thank you so much. You know, How can the listeners get in touch with you and learn more about you? Absolutely. So please come to my website, extraordinaryadvisors.com. My email is Todd at extraordinaryadvisors.com. And again, if you want to set up a call with me, just email me. We'll put it on the calendar. I work weekends as well. So don't, don't, like, oh, I don't want to take time out of my money-making activities. Totally makes sense. And please go to my website from sucktosuccess.com and download your free chapter of the book. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.